helping disciple-makers ignite a movement locally and globally. This is the Disciple First Podcast. Now, here's your host, Craig Etheridge. Welcome to the Disciple First Podcast. This is a podcast by disciple-makers and for disciple-makers. I'm Craig Etheridge, your host, and I'm here with Dean Plumley. Dean Plumley is the National Director of Christian Surfers in the United States. And in the early 90s, God challenged him to do two things, make disciples like Jesus and tell surfers about Jesus. And uh, the strange thing about that is that Dean is from West Virginia. And so uh, over the last several years, he and his wife, Amy, have been doing just that. They have been reaching surfers and uh, making disciples and make disciples. He's a part of Sun Life Ministries, which is a disciple-making ministry. He and his family live in Florida. He has three children, a dog and a hamster. And so, Dean, man, welcome to the program. Thank you, Craig. It's great to be here with you. Yeah, we're so glad to, to have you and to talk a little bit about disciple-making. And really what we want to kind of focus in on today, Dean, is getting and staying healthy as a disciple-maker. And, well, I just think that's a so such a relevant uh, uh, issue because so many people, man, they, they want to be a disciple-maker. They get into you know, investing in people, and then, man, they struggle along the way, hit some pitfalls, maybe get burned out, begin to struggle and waffle. And uh, maybe some people listening today are going, man, that sounds like me. I, I started off so good, but somewhere along the way I got distracted, got burned out, and I just don't feel like I'm healthy as a disciple maker. Uh, is this something that you find also, Dean, in the people you talk to? Yeah, I, I've seen this across the board and in my own life. I mean, we don't need to rehearse all the statistics of people um, who started well. Um, but finish so poorly and whose lives have imploded. You know, ministry um, can be, whether it's vocationally or volunteer, uh, ministry can be a grinding machine that eats people alive. Um, And I I think that Jesus experienced that as well. Just the pressures and the tugs and the um, uh, just, just all the difficulties of it. And that doesn't even take into account that we invented um, all nighters. Um, yeah. you know, it's, uh, it's a tough, tough gig. Um, and so, uh, but the hope is, you know, I think we look at Jesus and we say, well, you know, how did Jesus stay healthy? And I believe there are some real clear, um, components to his life, uh, to help us, um, as well stay healthy. Well, why don't you share some of that with us? Because I think we need to hear how Jesus did it. And, um, and, and I, I'm really praying as you're sharing this, that those that listen, that feel like, man, I've, I feel like I've failed or I feel like I've burned out or struggle, I'm struggling, that they'll be really encouraged today. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Well, you know, it's, it's interesting because you look at Jesus and, and, uh, I'm sure we have all different kinds of, of churches listening to this podcast, but I grew up in a particular church where we didn't, we didn't talk a lot about the Holy Spirit. You know, that wasn't something we talked a lot about. And so when I began to study the life of Jesus, and I began to see that Jesus was conceived by the Spirit, led by the Spirit, spoke by the Spirit, healed by the Spirit, raised from the dead by the Spirit, led by the Spirit, guided by the Spirit, like over and over, I was, it was a little bit scandalous for me to see how active the Holy Spirit was in the life of Jesus. And I started to realize how much Jesus depended 
on the spirit that he wasn't acting autonomous. Um, and I, the thing that's beautiful about that is the freedom that we find in there. You know, I think that so many youth pastors, senior pastors, missionaries, volunteers, whatever, just feel such an enormous pressure to perform. Mm. And that's not biblical. It's not biblical. There is, there is a pressure on us to remain in Jesus um, and to be obedient. But we rely on the Holy Spirit to do what God wants to do and to produce the fruit that he wants to produce in us and around us. And so I see in Jesus a great sigh of relief. And this is a huge component, I believe, to, to being healthy, is realizing this is not riding on me. There's no pressure on me. I don't need to perform. Um, God is the one at work here. And naturally, what we see that uh, lead into are other priorities in the life of Jesus. And I believe that, that these priorities are really what led to Jesus being healthy. You know, we've all seen the illustration of the jar with the rocks and the gravel and the sand, where if you put the big rocks in first, then the gravel, and then the sand, everything sits. But if you put them in out of order, it won't all fit in there. And it's a whole illustration on what priorities we put into our life. Um, the problem is that we are very driven um, in our churches and in our ministries, and we want to see the kingdom expand. That's good. Um, but there is a false belief that if we do more, the kingdom will expand. Uh, the reality is the kingdom expands as God expands it. And so um, when we look at the life of Jesus, we begin to see that I believe what kept him healthy what got him through his ministry, what allowed him to not just start well, but finish well, was that he was disciplined at putting the big rocks in first. Um, and so that first big rock was that dependence on the Holy Spirit. Um, I, I think that the next big rock was um, prayer. You know, it comes as no shock to anyone that Jesus prayed a lot. But when you really begin to study out his prayer life, you come to see um, how he is relying on God and how prayer is not just this thing where Jesus runs to, to ask God to do what he wants. Um, prayer is Jesus running into the arms of his Father and resting. Um, mm. Prayer is where Jesus is hearing from his Father. Prayer is where Jesus is also presenting requests to his Father. But prayer is a place of rest for Jesus. Um, you know, one of the things I've struggled with in my life, I come from a long line of doers. My mother's a 73-year-old woman who could outwork most 21-year-old men. Um, she And I come from a long line of doers like that. And so the idea of rest was something that as a young man, I missed. Uh, now I'm 45 years old, and I'm coming to realize i got to rest. Not because I want to, but... I just can't run like I used to. Yeah. And what we realize is in the life of Jesus, he understood that pacing ourselves in the race and resting in the Father is what makes us finish well. Anybody can start a race at a sprint. Very few will finish it there. Um, and so prayer was a big rock uh, in Jesus' life. It's really interesting that the busier he gets, the more he prays. 
You know, it's interesting that, that Jesus' disciples, they see that prayer is the linchpin for the power of his ministry. It's, it's the only thing they come to him and say, hey, teach us to pray. And one of the implications is they knew how much he prayed. How did Judas know where to find Jesus in the middle of the night? You know, when he went to betray him, they say, are you sure you're going to know where he's at? Judas is like, well, yeah, man, trust me. The reason is because how many times has he seen him kneel in that olive press and pray? He knew where Jesus would be that night um, because it was his pattern. And, you know, one of the questions uh, for myself and for those listening, do our disciples know we pray? You know, is that something they're well aware of? Do they understand the critical nature of prayer in our in our life? Um, and so Jesus was diligent at keeping that rock in. Um, you know, the next thing that we see with Jesus is just the huge place that the Word of God has in his life. You know, it's not just what he teaches out of. It's not just what he quotes from. It's not what he uses to back up the points he's making. You know, Jesus quotes the Old Testament 80 different times from 72 different chapters. You know, he he is saturated with the Word of God. The Word of God is guiding him. You know, right before the cross, we see him um, living out the prophecies of the Old Testament when he tells the guys, listen, you need to have a couple swords because it's written that I'll be numbered among the the thieves and uh, among the criminals. And, and so we see him saturated with the Word of God. Um, are we? Or are we just running to the Bible for our next Sunday school lesson um, because we're on that hamster wheel? Um, it's it is a it is a very sad thing when the Bible simply becomes the material for our lessons. Um, it really needs to be a place um, that lives in us as a living and active double-edged sword. And um, and so in Jesus' life, it was. Um, you know, another component in in uh, Jesus' life was um, obedience. Um, Jesus didn't just run around doing whatever he wanted. You know, in Mark chapter 1, we see him off praying. He comes back. He's got a great crowd there. This is a wonderful time to take up an offering. But instead, he says, hey, listen, you know, we're leaving. Um, wait, no, no, let's not do that. You know, there are times where they want to make him king. And, you know, we look at that and say, well, you know, Jesus, you know, with the halo and all that, he would let them make him king. I don't believe that for a second. I believe Jesus was very tempted with letting them make him king. I know that because Hebrews 4 says he was tempted in every way as we are. And I'm tempted all the time that this kingdom would expand a whole lot quicker if I had power instead of kneeling down washing people's filthy feet. I think a much better way to build the kingdom is through power, not through servanthood. And and if I'm tempted with that, then I'm well aware because of Hebrews 4 that Jesus probably was too, but he didn't. He was obedient to the kingdom of agenda, and the kingdom of light operates different than the kingdom of darkness. The kingdom of darkness does grow through power. I'm recently reading um, a biography on Dietrich Bonhoeffer and how the Nazis took over and used power, and, and that's how the kingdom of darkness works. But in the kingdom of light, we get on our knees and we wash people's feet, not just the important people. We wash people's feet that nobody wants anything to do with. That's the model that Jesus gave us of obedience to a kingdom agenda. It's not about 
promoting ourselves. It's not about promoting our student ministry or our church. It's about lifting up Jesus that he might call all men unto himself. And so Jesus was obedient to a kingdom agenda. We see him dependent on the Spirit, committed to prayer, with the Word of God saturating his life, obedient to this kingdom um, agenda. We also see him exalting the Father. We see him lifting up the Father. It sounds kind of funny to say that Jesus wasn't about promoting himself, um, because that's who we want to promote. But in the in the life of Jesus, we see him pointing to the Father, pointing to the Father, pointing to the Father, the same way we're called to point to him. And uh, rather than point to our own ministries, our own giftedness, you know, and then the, the final big rock that I see in the life of Jesus um, are relationships. Um, you know, a lot of times what we want to do, uh, I want to show up on a Wednesday night, I want to preach a message where it's like taking a hammer and smashing it against a big rock, and suddenly the statue of Michelangelo's David comes out. In one big swing, all the stuff that isn't this beautiful statue falls off. And that's how I want Wednesday night to be. And then I want to go home, and I don't want these kids calling me and bothering me. I want to get on with my life. Sometimes we look at ministry with that kind of warped thinking. Yeah, we want the whole world to come to Jesus, but I don't want it to mess up my life. That's not how Jesus lived. Jesus lived in relationship with people, dealing with their messiness, dealing with their victories, dealing with their failures, loving them to the point that he would consider them family. Um, that's a huge sacrifice. It, it really requires me to walk the path of Jesus that lays down my life. Um, for others. And so in Jesus' life, I believe what kept him healthy was his discipline to put in the big rocks first, his, his discipline to depend on the Spirit, not on his own creativity, his commitment to prayer, even when it wasn't convenient, his, his uh, um, discipline to be saturated with the Word of God and to know the Word and and to be guided by the Word, not just talk about it, um, as well as his desire to obey the kingdom agenda, not just do what he wanted to do, um, to exalt the Father, um, and then lastly, um, to be committed in relationship to other people. I believe that's what kept Jesus healthy, and I think it's what can keep us healthy and balanced. You know, as I'm listening to you, Dean, I, I want I want to ask you a, a, a personal question. Which which one of those uh, jumps out to you the most right now in the season of life that you're in? Mm, as the one that I'm failing the most at, or the one I'm succeeding the most at? <laughs> I guess it could be the one, just the one that you think, man, you know, that's what I need. Uh, yeah. uh, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I'm in a uh, real transitional season of life right now. I've been uh, the um, national director of Christian Surfers for a long time, and uh, this week we hired a new national director. And so I'm transitioning. Um, we sold my house last week, so I'm jobless and homeless. And uh, and so for me, prayer, I believe, 
is a huge component because right now, I mean, just being honest, I can run to figuring this out. I can manipulate the situation. I can plan. I can work hard. Um, or I can sit on my father's lap and, and say, Father, listen, what, what are you doing? Where are we going here? What do you want? Um, and uh, I'll be honest, I'm tempted to just figure it out, you know. Um, but that I think prayer is uh, really, really um, an area that right now God is gifting me the opportunity to grow in. You know, I believe that Jesus will give us opportunities to grow in lots of areas. And and maybe when we hit those walls of feeling dry, feeling burned out, feeling um, discouraged, I think is a big feeling that a lot of disciple makers have. Yeah, I, I poured in all these people and I don't see the results coming out of that. Uh, I want to quit, that kind of thing. That um, yeah. I, I believe those are opportunities for us to grow in some of these areas of relying on the Holy Spirit or deepening our prayer life, uh, just saturating our heart with God's Word, walking in relationship, these kind of things. Uh, yeah. Thank you for sharing uh, these with us. And um, I, I'd like to give you an opportunity just to say one final word to that person that's discouraged today, that's listening, and they feel like, man, I've been giving myself out and I don't see a whole lot happening with that. Uh, what would you say directly to them? Yeah, I've, I've been there many times, and I would just encourage you, right now in your life, there are three voices, um, but only one of them is telling you the truth. One voice is telling you what a lousy job you've done, and they've got a great list of examples. Um, if you listen to them, uh, you're going to give up. There's another voice, though, that's telling you how great you are, and they're pointing to all the gifts you have and all the victories you've had, and if you listen to them, uh, it'll carry you for a few weeks. Um, but it'll just build fleshly pride. Um, there, there's one more voice. It's a really quiet whisper, and it's Jesus saying, just come be with me. Just come be with me. I find in those seasons when I just want to quit, and I can't tell you how many times that's been, uh, when I sit with Jesus, everything else kind of fades away, and the only opinion that matters to me is his. And I go back into the game, doesn't a lot of times it doesn't get any better. A lot of times I'm still getting the stuffing kicked out of me. But now I can keep going because all I care about is what he thinks. And I know that he has promised that when I am engaged in this disciple making mission, that he will be present and he will empower me even to the end of the age. And so I, I just want to encourage you, uh, don't quit, not because I don't not because I'm saying don't quit. Don't quit because Jesus isn't done. Run to him. Listen to him. Let him remind you that he loves you and he has a plan. And that plan is about molding you to his image. It's not about results, victories or failures. Man, thank you so much, Dean, for that word. And uh, if you need encouragement, you need to be around people that are disciple makers, you need maybe more equipping or just people come alongside you and pray with you. We want to do that at Disciple First. Go to disciplefirst.com. 
Com for resources and uh, just like this podcast and others. Also, you can find there a way to find out more about the Flashpoint Conference, or you can go directly to theflashpointconference.com uh, to find out of a conference near you where you can rub shoulders with other people walking the way you're walking and, and, and trying to make disciples the way you are and find that mutual encouragement uh, from others that are walking the same road. So I encourage you to do that. And until then, until Jesus comes, go make disciples.